Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brianna Hope and today we will be speaking to a very special guest, Marie-Claude Beauchamp, the executive producer of the film Snowtime. Then we'll be talking about Moana, Doctor Strange, Almost Christmas, The Red Turtle, which was a part of the Denver International Film Festival, and lastly, Into the Inferno. So right now we are speaking with our special guest, Marie-Claude, from Snowtime. She is the executive producer. I just wanted to start off by saying that I am so glad that you couldn't make it today. I'm so glad that you could give us time for this interview. I love interviewing new people. Um, I just wanted to start off by saying a, a very general kind of what your job encompasses. So you are the executive producer of the feature film Snowtime. How is that for you? What is your experience like with that? Well, actually, I'm the executive producer and producer. So as executive producers, we're quite a few. Uh, I think we're about five altogether. Um, And our task was to mainly put the money together, convince people to come on board, um, raise the interest uh, for distribution, uh, finding um, the proper all banking and all that. And as a producer, then that's my, I'd say, most important job in, uh, between the two, as this one I do alone. And this one is to um, involve myself in all the creative process of the film. So selecting uh, the directors, um, assisting him in casting, um, going through uh, the needs for the production, approving of all the designs, approving on um, the scripts, the music, the editing, um, the whole the whole process of the film comes through me uh, as the producer. Mm-hmm. And and how do you determine uh, when to invest your time and talents into a project? I have to fall in love with the script. It really starts with the script and with the designs. Sometimes it comes from designs because there's no script. There's just great great characters, and then um, I find somebody to write the script for those characters, but mostly it comes from a script. And then if my little heart goes boom, boom, then usually I just um, try to find everybody to, uh, and enline them into that passion that I've just discovered reading the script and engage them into that process. I mean, I, I mean, me as well as I'm sure many other people think that a producer and an executive producer, especially a producer, is very important to any type of film, any type of subset of a film, because it sounds like you hold everything together, you push everything forward, you make everything possible. So the fact that you do this, and and you've been in the film industry for, I think, 25 plus years, so it's amazing how you do this, and I just wanted to thank you and and give you my respects for doing this because i've seen films and i'm like what were they thinking what what happened why was this even why was this even advertised and i definitely don't think that was snow time i think it's a wonderful film i saw i saw about maybe 30 35 minutes of it and i loved the part that i saw i'm going to continue watching it um but thank you for 
for giving us just a little bit of insight to what you do as a producer and an executive producer. So how does this feature film differ from the other projects you've worked on? I believe this one is closer to my heart because this is based on a live action feature film that was produced 30 years ago. Um, I was not a child then, but I was actually, um, it was very impressed. There was a very big impression of that film in my, in my little hometown in actually in all Quebec. And this film made its mark because it had um, a lot of what, we think is is a necessity for for a film. It had humor and it had heart, and it had the huggability part. I call that my three H. Um, so those three H were there in the original film. And finding a story that has those three H is something that is a rare, very rare thing. So when I was asked by the original producer who wanted to uh, do an, anim an animation adaptation but had no idea what animation was, um, he came to me and he said, well, I think if this was animation, it could reach the children all around the planet. So I thought it was a good idea and uh, jumped at it. And really, I was given a pot of gold because it was uh, the whole film is about with it was with such sensibility in such um, important subject to because I, I, I don't want to spoil you the end of the film because you haven't reached that. But it's a film that has a lot of emotion. Um, and yet again, a lot of laughs. Yeah, and, and you said the comedy is what I wanted to, I guess, pick out of what you said, because it's like, this this film is a PG film, and I, when starting to watching it, starting to watch it, I was like, you know, it, it, I feel like I'm not going to laugh. I feel like since it is a younger film, I did not find that case at all. I, I, it, it surprised me. It, it very much surprised me seeing that I did laugh and seeing that I was um, caught up in the enter entertainment of this film. So thank you for that. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are speaking to the executive producer and producer of Snow Time, Marie-Claude Beauchamp, and talking about Mona, Doctor Strange, Almost Christmas, The Red Turtle, which was a part of the Denver International Film Festival, and finally into the Inferno. So right now, let's continue speaking with Marie-Claude. And we were just talking about the comedy and what she does as a producer and an executive producer and how it just has to touch her heart. So we were just talking about the, the comedy, and I think you wanted to say something about that, or...? I think it's a film about children, but it's talking to children. So I think why you 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 understood the humor so vividly, and it, because it was really intended for kids. So a lot of the time in animation, we do a lot of humor for the adult, and then some younger kids just don't understand it. Um, a little older kid will get some of it, or because it's referencing some very modern. Um, subject or concept but the film here is about kids having fun with kids and not referencing any adult therefore there is no adult in the film altogether so um i probably i, I feel that this is one of the reason why humor is reaching out all across ages in this film no, but but I do see that in, in other animation films because it, it really gears towards adults because it's like, it, it's basically really capitalizing on, oh, animation isn't just for kids, but then, but then the younger kids who people think it's for, they don't understand most of it. And then you're like, well, now I didn't really fully enjoy this film. So this film is definitely a 
great example of a film that is for kids talking about kids there is not one adult adult in it and I was like that's crazy even when they were in the classroom I was like I feel like I should see a teacher but I don't so it um just speaking about that is very interesting. Um, what do you think, speaking about children and, and this, how this film is for children, what do you think chi- the child should have an impression on this film? What do you think they should take away? What, what do you think they will take away and, and have after they see this film? I think that the, a lot of the subject uh, matter is about friendship, is about how important it is um, to to have friends, to maintain your friendship, um, to find ways of, of appreciating them. Um, also, there's the passion of playing. Nowadays, kids don't play outside as much as they used to. So um, we think that that's also going to be... Um, somewhat stimulating them to go out and play and play snow time because snow time has a lot of games in it. So uh, playing snow time is actually what we're seeing happening um, nowadays in uh, in Canada and in the United States. We were at the Sundance Film Festival and uh, a lot of the kids were, were wrote to us afterwards and said, oh, do you know what I'm doing after school today? I'm playing snow time. So I think that's, um, that's uh, two of the very important and also dealing about loss because there is a concept of loss brought to the film, and and we don't often talk about uh, loss in, in children's films. So this is an, a way for them to express and talk and, and share with others about loss without being educational, but yet again, just having the opportunity to reflect on, on lost. Yeah, and they can resonate with it and they can relate to it because sometimes in in films they will reference loss but it won't be in a child's perspective or in a children's setting and then when they if they do reference it it's very quick or it's put in a different light and it's not really dealt with and it's and i'm not saying that this film in its entirety is all about loss because it's not as you just stated but it's nice to have that little section that shows up a little bit throughout the film um over and over again to be like hey you know Children go through loss as well, and and we need to deal with that. And and the fact with playing at the beginning, at the very beginning of this film, it was you know they were sitting outside and they were like, oh, we're bored, and and I I've never heard that before, like in a film wise, but I've never heard that like as in my peers and as in people younger than me, they're always on the phone or on the computer. So it's just nice to hear as soon as as soon as uh, Christmas break gets out, they're like you know, we want to do something with the rest of our, rest of our peers, rest of our classmates. So it's, it's refreshing to see that. Um, finally, the music, um, it, it, I believe it's Celine Dion, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the, um, is one of the music it comes from. So can you talk about a little bit, a little bit about the music? Yeah, I w- always wanted to have, it's not a musical, just so we're clear. Yeah. Um, songs comes along to help us breathe through the film and and, ex- and actually uh, enjoy the feelings uh, of the characters. So they are an expression of what the characters are living. Um, and uh, each of the songs, we, we really, really uh, nicely 
planned and and um, wrote and I co I, I was really uh, I produced all the music on the film as well with an amazing creator director Eloi and Johan which are a couple doing amazing music and we wrote all the that was all original material and I remember trying to finance the film and putting my executive producer hat on and going to people and saying oh you know I want um, Simple Plan to sing and I want Celine Dion to sing and I want Walk Off the Earth to sing and people would say yeah go girl you know go (laughs) (laughs) not really believing that I would obtain that but I did and I did because the film was such a, a heartwarming piece and yet again the songs were just beautiful so yes we managed to put all these people and on the French track there is also um, a great singers that are known in the francophone world and on the English track there's uh, also two other names Marie May which is a French uh, singer here but she's been uh, doing a lot of gigs in LA in the recent uh, in the recent years and also uh, Groenland who are quite uh, getting known in the United States as well so we have uh, five amazing songs in there no, yeah, I, I think that music is such a big part in in films and in definitely in animation because it's like, it's, I don't know, I think animation not so much needs it, but it brings it together a little bit more because it's it's this kind of fantasy. You can do whatever you want in animation. So um, music definitely helps with that. And well, it Marie- also does the, the huggability factor. You know, you can listen to it afterwards. You can uh, hold on to it, you know, and learn it. And it's part of what you keep after the film. Definitely. Well, Marie-Claude, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about you being the executive producer and the producer of Snowtime. Well, thanks to you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Our sponsor today is Finding Dory. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. 
Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we just got done talking to Maria Claude, the executive and producer of Snow Time. We're also going to be talking about the films Doctor Strange, The Red Turtle, Into the Inferno, and Almost Christmas. And yes, it indeed, it's almost the holiday season. Right now, I'm talking with Mia, age 12, about the new Disney film Moana, and we're going to talk about that right now. Okay, I just cannot quit you, Disney, when Ever there's a film out, I'm like, I, I just can't. But this film looks absolutely stupendous. Tell me if uh, if my prediction is right, Mia. What did you think about the film? Well, I do agree with you. I thought it was amazing, and it wasn't like any of the other Disney princess movies. I was actually really surprised because the a lot of a lot of the Disney stereotypical like plot that always happens, um, it changed. So like. None of the parents died, which was like, which was really surprising to me because normally that's what they do. So it was new and original, and I really enjoyed it. Well, I think it's funny Disney is doing is they're being more progressive. They're noticing the tropes and the cliches, and instead of just sticking with it like some studios do, they just say, you know what? Well, this we'll listen to our audience. Let's change some things, and they almost make fun of it, like Frozen did the same thing where they said like you you fell in love you just met him for one night yeah i'm in love with him that that kind of stuff is not it's not making fun of itself it's and that's why i feel like disney does a great job it's not making fun of itself it's just having fun and it's becoming different it's different so yeah. um tell us about the animations film because oh the use of water looks absolutely beautiful yeah, um, I enjoyed the animation because it was very creative and extremely detailed because I feel like a lot of animation movies, like the water doesn't look re really realistic and I feel like water is a really hard thing to animate, but they did a really good job. Like it was very realistic and you could see like the white sea foam and the sun reflecting off the water. And I also appreciated I know this is like really strange, but I really appreciated their hair because in a lot of animation movies, the hair doesn't move at all whatsoever. Like whenever the wind is blowing, it's just sitting there. But like when the character got wet or they were in a windy situation, the hair moved, which I really appreciated. I agree, definitely, because sometimes the hair in animation looks plastic. And also I feel like what Disney did is like, I got a taste of the the water effect in the in the Pixar short uh, Sandpiper, which is on the Finding Doy DVD plug, uh, which was absolutely gorgeous. And I was, I couldn't believe how not only realistic, but just artistic it looked from that one short. And then when I saw Moana was coming, I'm like, oh, we're going to get a whole movie with this? Fantastic. I just can't wait to see it. Uh, now let's talk about what Disney's also very notable for. It's wonderful music. Tell us about that, because we got Drain the Walk, Rock Johnson singing here. I mean, what's what more could you love? Oh, yeah, I enjoyed the music a lot. Like, it wasn't too much of singing. I mean, kind of. It was more half and half. There was a lot of background music, but there was also a lot of singing. Like, they sang songs just like in every Disney movie. But, again, like, just like the plot, they were different. Like, they told a story more like in the moment when I know a lot of the songs could be like telling them sometimes they use the music to like go over time but a lot of the music what they used it for was in the moment like expressing the character's feelings and mm -hmm. I just really thought it fit like the animation and the characters and the plot 
definitely there's some musicals where it just comes out of nowhere. It's just, yeah. you need a song here, place it in there. It's like musical Mad Lips. Uh, but that's what music is supposed to do. It's supposed to convey the character's emotions. And speaking of characters, let's talk about the voice acting, you know, because we got a newcomer actress and also the wonderful Drain the Rock Johnson, as mentioned before. So I'm tested about that. Well, yeah, I thought all of the voiceover actors were amazing. They sounded exactly like the characters, and they were very believable. Dwayne Johnson, he did a really good job in playing his part and sounding all heroic and mighty. And I also liked, um, I sorry if I pronounced her name wrong, um, Auli Cravalho. Well, she's, she's new to, like, the whole Disney animation movie style, but she did a really good job, and her expression was amazing when she needed to sound sad. She sounded really sad, and I could definitely hear some sniffles in the audience. Certainly, and I, I'm very excited because voice acting is a very difficult way of performing. Put all your emotions, and as mentioned before, I've said this countless times, so I'll say it again. It's very difficult, and for the direct for the directors, uh, Ron Clements and John Mus uh, Musker, to get these performances out of these actors is not an easy task, and it sounds like you do a, a very good job of doing it. Uh, so how many stars would you give this film, and what would you say the age range? Well, I give this movie a 5 out of 5 stars because I absolutely enjoyed it. And I'd also recommend ages 5 to 18 because it could be enjoyable to all ages. And there weren't many scary scenes at all. And if there were some, like, monsters, they're not that scary. And I think a lot of ages could really handle the movie. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Mia, for talking about Moana. Thank you. Well... What can I say except you're welcome? That's perfect. Sorry to end this. Uh, this film is in theaters November 23rd, so please go check it out. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and right now I'm going to switch it all over to Brianna talking to Morgan about Almost Christmas. Take it away. Why, thank you, Kiefer. As Kiefer said, I am talking to Morgan about Almost Christmas, which is a movie that is coming into theaters, um, I believe, last week, so... Yeah. Um, so, Morgan, can you please tell me your first impressions of this film? Um, my first impressions of this film were really good. I liked this film. As a matter of fact, my favorite scene was probably the opening scene when we got to hear that music and it shows us what happened over the years. I really liked the way that they started it and it really started family friendly and it was very sweet and made me feel all warm inside. So I was like, aw. And I think that this film was also very funny. The comedy is thought out... Uh, spectacularly to tell you the truth like it's great and it made you just bust a guy you were laughing and the emotional roller coaster in this ride is also wonderful and the storyline is just terrific and this oh, is yeah. the perfect film for families who are enjoying the holiday season with each other and are just trying to have a good time and chill and relax and spend quality time together <laughs> yeah every christmas um my family like we don't gather together because, like, we're all kind of spread out. So it's just the three of us. But seeing the trailer of this film, it definitely reminded me of home. Because, you know, we're there's cooking and then there's watching TV and then there's all these other stuff. And then weird sweaters that look weird, but we still buy them because they're weird sweaters for Christmas. And, and it just kind of gave me this homey feeling. And I haven't even watched the film. So the fact that it kind of pushed through even through the trailer sort 
a portion of this film is really nice. Um, so it's this dysfunctional, weird, discombobulated family, and you said it had comedy. So how does that mix together if they're kind of opposites? Well, it mixes together because there are some moments where you just laugh your butt off and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm having such a great time. This is so funny. And then there's some emotional scenes where you're like, oh my gosh, that's so sad or wow, I can't believe that happened. And then you're just like that, wow. It just is kind of like real life. There's happy moments where we're laughing and we're having a good time. And then there's those sad moments where we just want to cry and let it all out, hug it all out. <laughs> and it also opens um, everywhere on Friday, November 11th. So you should definitely check it out. Yes, you should, because that's what should happen. Anyway, um, so this film has a lot of, and when I say a lot, I mean a lot, a lot of stars and a lot of name actors like Gabrielle Union, Danny Glover, just to name a couple of them. So how do you think they did with interacting with other people that may not be so well known? Oh my gosh, they did terrific. They were all so amazing together, and you were like, wow, that is just incredible, because they all worked together really well to create these amazing scenes, and it really just brought the film to life, and you're like, this is why they're star actors. They're so incredible at their jobs. And it seemed like it was so real, and that they were all having a good time. <laughs> and my favorite character was um, Mo Nequay, played by, uh, who plays Aunt May, sorry. And she is amazing. I really liked her character because she was really funny and she just wanted like everybody to have a good time and just dance and get their act straight and be able to enjoy this quality time that they got to have with their family, which I think was very sweet. Yeah, I think they're all I think there's always one person in the family that's like, settle down, children. We need to have fun and we need to like Christmas. Um Yeah, but she's also a little bit crazy. A little bit crazy. <laughs> She drinks a little and cusses just a bit. So I would like, if you do bring your children that are really young and that you don't want them hearing uh, cuss words, I would say probably cover their ears for like a couple of her scenes, but it's not that bad. There's probably like, I'd say not even that much, just a really, really little hint. And because we're on it, she makes you laugh when she acts crazy and does this. So it's kind of like uh, adult humor as well as a ch uh, child humor that the kids will understand as well. Yeah, since we're on this topic about profanity and, and, and drinking and different things, how what age range do you recommend this film for, and how many stars do you give this film? I would say the age range for this film is probably like 13 and up, because there are a couple of sad matters as well. Their mother dies uh, just 10, 10 months before Christmas, so everybody's really sad and upset about that because it's their first Christmas without their mother. And so that can be a little bit of a bit of a sad topic for younger child uh, children. But if they're younger than 13, they probably will be like, that's too sad. But I'd say uh, it's probably it's really good for the family if you're uh, probably like 12 and up or 13 and up. Well, depending on what your parents think you can watch. <laughs> good to know I just like to get that out there because sometimes people go to the movies and they're like wait we didn't know this why, why didn't anyone tell this so <laughs> thank you for that Morgan thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Almost Christmas thank you so much for having me it's great to see you once again oh, thank you Morgan let's take a break I'm Brianna Hopiton and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions today's sponsor is Finding Dory 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm brianna hobiton and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we just finished speaking to the lovely morgan about almost christmas and today we have talked about mona snow time and we are now going to talk about dr strange and um, we've already talked about Almost Christmas, and we're going to talk about The Red Turtle and Into the Inferno. So today is a fully packed show. Um, so right now we are speaking with 14-year-old Jerry from L.A. and 16-year-old Kiefer, who is also from L.A. So I know that you guys are super excited to talk about this film. I have not yet seen it. Everyone thinks I'm crazy for not having seen it, but whatever. Um, so Kiefer, what was your favorite part about this film? I gotta say that... What made this film very special is the psychedelic visuals, because from the comics of this, it is just Doctor Strange goes through these many multiverses um, and different dimensions, and it's almost like the comics were, were placed on the screen. It was just so many visuals that were almost from like a Beatles music video, maybe like a John Lennon, like 60s kind of um sort of visuals it was just it blew my mind and i saw it as an imax 3d i coughed up the money to go see it in in this type of form and it was definitely worth it it was spectacular wow you you seem to love it um i i have i've just heard about this film maybe about three days ago did not know it was a thing. I like my friends oh, all no. think that I'm. Yeah, I know. I know you're shaking your head, but I literally just found out this was a thing like three days ago. So I'm sorry. I know I'm a letdown to the human race. Anyway, <laughs> Jerry, um, this is Marvel, and everyone has this thing for Marvel, and they're like, it has to be here, here, and here because Marvel sets such these high standards. So, do you think that they met these standards in this film, Jerry? No, they completely blew the standards away, and they're going to have a hard time beating them again. It oh. was, honestly, there was a lot of good Marvel movies before, like Captain America Civil War, that was an amazing film, but 
in my opinion, this completely blew it away. I maybe it's because I just like the type of things it talks about, like with time messing around and multi dimensions. I, I like those type of movies, but I really enjoyed this movie. What was most impressive is that it was roughly two hours this long, and throughout the whole thing, I was excited. I was I was looking forward to what's going to happen next. I was never bored, and it's very hard to achieve that for two hour movies, especially when it has such complex stories like this one had. And they achieved it perfectly. So, yeah, I think Marvel blew out their standards out of the box. And it's going to be very challenging to beat this film in the future. Yes, I I mean, looking at the trailer, I'm like, whoa, I, I can't believe I actually haven't heard of this before. Because um, I'm trying to get into the Marvel so that I'm not shunned by my friends. But it seems really interesting. And it seems very, like, mind-blowing. What? And um, multi-dimensional, which is something I have to get into. So, Keeper, since it is multi-dimensional and all this other time stuff, um, how are the visuals? Because I'm pretty sure they have to be pretty kick-butt. As I mentioned before, it's, it's almost like the comics were placed on the screen. It was so good. I do have to mention that um, Bandit Cumberbatch... Where the heck did he come from? I mean, when I saw him, it, that he's in Doctor Strange, like he's in everything now. I looked so up his true. IMDb. I, I looked up his IMDb, and it's just like in the same amount of time he was in Sherlock, Imitation Games, and he did a Hamlet tour. Everything just kind of he just exploded into the entertainment world, and now he's literally everywhere. I'm not kidding. In my movie space, it, it accidentally became a Benedict Cumberbatch shrine. I have a Sherlock poster because I love the show. I now have a Doctor Strange poster, and I have like the Imitation Games stuff around my movies. I'm just like it just became a Cumberbatch shrine, and that's totally by accident. It's just uh, and his performance in here is phenomenal, along with Tilda Swinton and um, Chueto um, Elgia for wonderful actors and Benedict Wong, fun actors that just it's just great that Marvel's able to get these very talented actors and put them on uh, the big screen. No, oh, yeah, because he's been in everything like recently he's been in almost everything and i'm like yeah. well like do you have any time to do anything else besides this but i mean he's good at what he does i've seen him in his work and he seems really talented and i'm glad that marvel's picking up on his awesomeness so great. yes he is thank you <laughs> um so jerry what about the writing and the script because I find that scripts kind of carry a film in, in, I mean, everything carries a film if you think about it, but I think a script is one of the big ones. Oh, I love the writing. I love the story in general. You're going to have to talk to Kiefer if you want to hear about how much it was like the comic books, but the writers, John, uh, I can't pronounce some of these last names, John Spadis, uh, Scott Dickerson, C. Robert Cargill, they all did amazing writing the story and props to the director, Scott, Scott Dickerson, Dickerson. And he just did absolutely phenomenal. They all did phenomenal because the story, it's just so complicated with so many different elements of time and time travel and magic and hundreds and hundreds of elements. And they were able to explain it well so anybody can understand what the heck is going on every five minutes. And they also made it entertaining. So, yeah, I have to say that everybody did amazing in this film. No, and, I think, and I think that's a big, big thing to big thing to say because in time travel and I think it's popping up a lot in TV shows especially in Marvel TV shows and in The Flash and The Arrow and uh, Flashpoint and different things I don't know what I'm talking about but anyway time travel is a big thing and a lot of the times I'm like I have no idea what's going on so I'm glad that you said that 
even though this film has a lot of time travel, you still know what's going on. You're not completely lost. Well, thank you, both of you. You are great at talking about stuff that you love. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we have talked about Mona. Uh, uh, we're talking about Doctor Strange now. We have talked about Almost Christmas. We're going to talk about the Red Turtle and Into the Inferno. So all these different things. So right now we are continuing to speak about Doctor Strange, but with two different people. 11-year-old Benjamin from Washington, D.C. and 14-year-old Arjun from Tennessee. Just to get a little bit of a different view, if there is a different view, because everyone may love this film. So, Benjamin, what do you think is your favorite scene in this film? Um, when the New York Sanctum comes under attack. I thought this scene was really cool as an action scene, but it's also very rewarding as a fan of the comic books because you finally get to see Doctor Strange don the cloak of levitation, um, which is a thing he has in the comic books. And I also, this is, there's a scene, in this scene there's a change that uh, Stephen Strange sort of goes through. And I thought um, it sort of showed Benedict Cumberbatch's performance really nicely. And, and and yeah, some some scenes in some films they really show what the actor is capable of doing. Not not to the full extent, but I I, I definitely understand what you're talking about because some scenes are just kind of filler scenes. I mean, for the actors' performances, and it's like yeah, they're there running away from a monster and, and you really have no sense of what they can do so it's good to know that in one of these um in one of the scenes you can see what he does as an actual actor so arjun are you a fan of the of the comics yeah i like the dr strange like as a comic book character i haven't really read the comics but i have seen like the animated film and i think that this movie is really accurate to the comics Mm-hmm. And do you think it, it I, I mean, this live-action film kind of lived up to the comic book? Or, yeah, I'm Or the pretty comic sure. book animation? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. I mean, like, a lot of people who have read the comics and have talked to, they said it was exactly like the comics. There were a few differences here and there, but I think it really is like the comics from what I've seen. And, and I don't think that I've ever seen anything that is completely exact to the book or the original yeah. or i mean so it, it, i mean when people say well it wasn't exact it's like yeah it's never going to be exact get over it watch the film and be yeah. happy anyway so arjun um this film has a title and they say it so many times now like oh my gosh number one in the world and they say that with so many titles but they say this is one of those films that is number one in the world so do you think it deserves that title yeah, I think it does. I mean, like a lot of the complaints I've been having with Marvel recently is that most of the movies are feeling the same. But I think uh, Civil War and this movie have really fixed that like complaint which I've had because they're so much different. And like this movie, it had a lot of like psychedelic visuals and really interesting action scenes and even a great soundtrack, which is different from anything I've ever heard. And it really just like fixed that issue for me. No, I, I did get that sense um, that that this film is different. A lot of the um, a lot of the Marvel films, it's much more of a superhero type thing, and, and you know from the beginning, I mean, unless I'm wrong, I totally could be wrong, but um, from the beginning, you get a sense that they are the hero, and this is what's going to happen. From This film, it kind of takes it from I'm a regular dude to Doctor Strange. I totally may be saying this wrong. I have no idea. I'm just saying things that I know. <laughs> um, so, Benjamin, I know that you love this film, so is there something that 
stood out to you the absolute most from this film? Uh, yeah. The visuals are different than anything I've seen, and I'm so glad I experienced it in IMAX 3D, because it really helps, and just immerses you in what's going on, and it just makes the film a lot more captivating, and um, you feel a lot more immersed. Mm-hmm. And do you think that if they didn't have the option to have an IMAX 3D or any 3D, it was just standard, do you think you would still think that this was a good film, or do you think all of its awesomeness and all of its, um, I guess you could say, leverage is hung on this IMAX 3D? I don't think the quality of the movie would change, but I think for you to really experience it, you should see it in 3D to embrace the visuals. True, I, I, I believe that. I, <laughs> 3D makes everything better. Um, pretty soon, everything will be 3D, and they'll be like, standard, what's that? Like, that's so, like, two months ago. Anyway, Arjun, um, is there anything that parents should be aware of when they see this film, like, for their kids? Because this film, EG, EG is PG-13, and it looks like there's some scary stuff in here that I'd be like, whoa, that's too scary. So do you think, what, what do you think parents should be aware of? I mean, if their kids have seen, like, the other Marvel movies, I think they should be perfectly fine. I mean, the cup, there are, like, a couple of scary moments. Like, the main villain, Kaecilius, he brutally murders people. And even the crash sequence in the beginning is really intense because Doc Stephen Strange is getting horribly injured in the car crash. And it could be scary for some younger audiences to work, watch. Yeah, but, but I like what you said. I mean, as you, I, I just noticed that, this is a Marvel film. It's not just like an independent, this is the only thing. So if you, knowing Marvel and knowing how Marvel is, you can kind of gauge gauge what this film will be in terms of parental guidance and all that stuff. So uh, Jerry, Kiefer, Arjun, Benjamin, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is out now, guys, so please check it out if you have not already. Multiple people have seen it multiple times. I'm not one of them. I will see it. I will see it in IMAX. Anyway, let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's sponsor is Finding Dory. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. 
are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hello and welcome back to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and to continue this jam-packed show, we're going to be talking about the films Into the Inferno, and we just got done talking about The Magnificent Doctor Strange, Moana, and Snowtime. Right now I'm talking with Nathaniel, who's 10 years old from Boulder, Colorado, about The Red Turtle, and also about the Denver International Film Festival. So, uh, Nathaniel, thank you for being on the show. Uh, well, thank you for uh, having me here again. Of course. Uh, I understand you went to the international, the Denver International Film Festival, so I'll tell us a bit about your experience there. Well, uh, at the International Film Festival, on the opening night, I went to the red carpet, and on, I think, uh, the third, fourth, or fifth night, I'm not really sure, I went to see the Red Turtle, uh, and I got to meet um, uh, Emma Stone, actually, at the red carpet, and that was pretty cool. Uh, what was this red carpet for, may I ask? It was for multiple different films, but and I don't really know them all, but I know that one of them was La La Land, which is a new film by Emma, uh, well, no, not by, but she is in it. Uh, by, oh, that's uh, well, exciting. Yeah. I didn't really get to see it, but I was just interviewing the people, and I, like, wasn't them asking questions about the, like, about certain parts of the movie. I was just asking Certain parts that you could like ask anyone because I didn't watch the movie. Very interesting. I'm glad that the the Denver International Film Festival gave you a chance to interview Emma Stone for La La Land. Can't wait to see that film. Uh, and I understand that you saw one particular film there um, called The Red Turtle, which is a Studio Ghibli film that um, is yeah. after Hayao Miyazaki's retirement, and they collaborated with this Dutch animator. And it looks absolutely beautiful. It's, but what, what, what can you expect from Studio Ghibli, one of the most amazing animation companies out there? So um, tell us a little about, um, about The Red Turtle. Um, so uh, it is a, a film. Um, it doesn't have any words except for like, hey, like, because uh, this person who's stranded on an island is yelling out to see if anyone's there. Or sometimes like when he's grunting in frustration. So there aren't really any human noises, just like noises uh, from nature. So that's pretty cool. Fascinating. I, I, I like what's great about film festivals is they they let audience experience films that are not like publicized that much. They just they, they give you a, it's a it's a, there's a cornucopia of different types of films you can check out at film festivals, and I gotta go to more of them because I like I love being exposed to new movies that uh, the regular moviegoer sadly, uh, does not get the chance to see. So uh, tell us a little about uh, the animation in this film because it looks absolutely, it looks like it's from a painting. That's how wonderful it is. Yeah, um, uh, well, something that I said in my review is, like, it doesn't look real, but it still looks beautiful. And, yeah, I agree with you. It kind of looks like a painting. And um, uh, I think that it's really cool, and uh, they don't really go into much detail on some of the things, like the people's faces, they don't do, like, all of the eyes. They just have kind of black uh, uh, dots. and mm -hmm. But they do go into detail on certain things, like the trees or uh, the waves. And I think that that's really cool. And I also find it interesting that it's 
we've talked about computer animated film, Moana, and as much as I love computer computer animation, I adore Studio Ghibli for still continuing that classic uh, animation style with watercolors and pastels and pencil drawings. It's we're still making it look new and original and it's so beautiful so uh how many stars did you give this film and what did you say the age range for this film is? um um i gave it four and a half out of five because sometimes i didn't get what was happening and it was a bit slow at times but it was beautiful like it was beautiful and i really liked it and i believe that i gave it ages seven to eighteen. Seven to eighteen all right well, this, thank you so much, Nathaniel, for talking about The Red Turtle and your experience at the Denver International Film Festival. Uh, you are welcome. Uh, this film sadly comes out in January 20th. We have to wait for that. The U.S. release for this film comes out Jan- January 20th, 2017. But mark your calendars because from the looks of it, it looks like it's going to be worth the wait. So um, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Finding Dory DVD release. We're going to switch gears to talk to Jerry Oars now, who has reached his 200th, 200th review. Congratulations. I had to shout that out because Jerry is such a hard worker in Kids First, and he just pumps out these reviews like they're candy. And um, we'll look forward to seeing your 300th review, Jerry. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the new documentary, Into the Inferno, which is done by famous um, documentary director, um, Rina Herzog. He's done many different documentaries, and he's kind of opened one. So tell us a bit about this documentary. Well, this documentary is pretty much all about volcanoes, but it's not what you'd expect. It's not about the science of volcanoes. It's all of, It's all about the culture behind volcanoes. It's about how people reacted to volcanoes and how they built religions around these volcanoes. We talked about so many people who spent their lives working on these volcanoes, literally right on top of them. They talked about volcanoes in the hottest places in the world and even the coldest places in the world. And it was just so amazing to see all these different volcanoes because you hear about these volcanoes like a couple years ago, there was volcanoes popping up all over the places that looked really deadly, but... Now, it, you just think of volcanoes as something that's horrifying and deadly and something to be scared of, but there's just so much more. These people, they built their entire lives based on volcanoes, and this documentary really explores that, really explores just the culture and places in general where these volcanoes are located. Like, for example, they looked at a volcano in North Korea, which is a very mysterious place, and they talked a lot about that. They were even able to go to North Korea. They got very special access and talked to some people there, which was very interesting. Fascinating. Uh, I I think it's interesting how this movie is advertised. Might I add is because it's it's almost like it is a documentary, but they treat this as like the, the connection between humans and the, some of the most violent, uh, one of the most violent wonders of the world and volca- volcanoes. And it's from the sounds of it, it's it's incredibly dramatic, but it looks it sounds like it's very informative. It's educational, but also gives you a sense of. I would assume survival in a way because some of these because some of these places in in Indonesia and Ethiopia uh, and especially North Korea there are some places where it could be harmful to our society. Is am I right or wrong from that? Um, yeah, I'd say in a way. And what I really liked is that they, they go to extremely dangerous places. Like the entire film starts when they are in Antarctica, the coldest place on Earth, right on top of an active volcano that's spewing out lava at several times a day. Really? 
So it it just does show you they go to very, very dangerous places and it kind of just shows you how Warner Herzog, he is very dedicated to his work and creating his documentaries, the director of the film. Certainly. I, I talked to some of my friends about even taking a whole year, uh, a couple of years to just do nothing but documentary filmmaking because that is some dedication and it's a very long process, especially if you're going to be filming nature because you, you want to get the perfect shot. You want to get the, you want to capture the beauty of nature. And the thing is though, as much as you want to capture it, it's, it's almost, it's almost hard to, to actually capture the true beauty of nature with just a camera lens. And there were some talented people like Herzog who managed to do it. And you just need to take a lot of time and patience to be able just to sit there and just wait for something to happen. Or, as they did, go straight into the volcanic erupting volleyball of death to get the perfect shot. So, uh, what do you think, um, as a aspiring filmmaker, why do you? Th what makes documentary filmmaking so special? I think it's very special because it shows you a different perspective on something you know. Because most documentaries, they cover a topic if it's uh, history or if it's technology doing the current time or if it's type of nature or science, like this one covers the natural science. But it always tells you something you don't know and it tells you so much about, it just tells you so much about that topic that you would have never known other than that. It just tells you in such an interesting way. And the cinematography in this film, like, oh my God, they they had to spend hours in the air in helicopters trying to get the perfect shot of the volcano slightly erupting because there's shots of volcano literally spewing up from the inside of the earth that is just beautiful and terrifying at the same time. And it's clear that it took them a long time to get that perfect shot. And they really did. I like how you said beautiful and terrifying because that's what these volcanoes are. I mean, you just want to stand there and watch it, but in it. In reality, it's, it's means destruction. But uh, I really enjoy documentary filmmaking because it's a fine line between entertainment and education. And people like Herzog are able to tread on that line beautifully and have a good balance between it. So how many stars would you give this film and what age range would you give it? Oh, five out of five stars, absolutely. But for the age range, I would go a little higher, 12 to 18, because they do cover some sadder topics. Because, again, volcanoes are very destructive and do a lot of harm to people. So they do cover some sadder topics, and there's just a lot more political things they do cover, like when they go to North Korea. So I'd give an age rating of 12 to 18. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for talking about Into the Inferno. It's always a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for letting me talk about it. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keith Blasey. Thank you very much for listening in our very jam-packed show. We talked, we covered a lot of films, and hopefully you'll be able to go check them out. Also, check out our website, www.kidsfirst.org. We have uh, the coverage of the latest DVD releases and red carpet events to go check out those videos. Also, check out our, our YouTube page, Kids First, uh, Kids First on our YouTube page. That's where we have also our reviews. Also, check out our blogs. We work really hard on them. Jerry, me, Willie Jones, and many others on the Kids First Jerry write blogs about film and what's happening in the entertainment world. So please go check that out. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by the DVD release of Finding Dory.
Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. 